0: Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we take a look at every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff.
1: I'm Skylar.
2: And I'm your boy, Virgil.
0: And this week, we are discussing Series 6, Episode 10, The Girl Who Waited by Tom McRae. This is actually a surprising uh, gap in uh, Tom McRae's uh, uh, writing. The last episode that he wrote for the show was the initial Cybermen two-parter in series two.
2: Damn. Um, King doesn't miss. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, This episode... Uh, primarily features Karen Gillen playing an older version of Amy Pond after a mishap involves the gang getting separated from her for uh, 36 years. Um, yeah. Uh, this episode, Fox. Like, this, this next week's episode. And to a lesser extent, Night Terrors, I think, is an example of the show getting back on its feet just for a little bit before it slips away again.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, like, I think one of the really paradoxical things about this season is that, like, the season arc as a whole and as a, as a result, like, the the season kind of fucking blows but if you start looking at individual episodes within the season and like looking at this one right now you get some really fucking good episodes and i think you know i think this is probably one of the best 11 episodes period it's just absolutely amazing um agreed yeah. yeah
1: yeah it goes to show there's i mean as much as we've kind of bagged on the formula and how Doctor Who has been since 2005 these episodes at the same time show that that formula still does work you can still do amazing like one-offs it's just awkward when you consider it in the context of the of the wider whole but like for this episode fuck that this this episode was i mean i i don't think there's any surprise we're all rating this like pretty damn high um yeah just an amazing outing and
2: like i yeah. i remembered this being a good episode um and i went into it expecting a good episode or actually i i went into this with like kind of tampered expectations because you know our, our memories are slightly distorted by childhood nostalgia um so i was expecting like okay this will probably be a good episode with some like weird moffat flaws but really no you just get an absolutely fantastic episode um, the one that just keeps getting better as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Definitely. Um. So yeah. Uh. We start off and we open on. Uh, the doctor buzzing about. Ooh, we're going to this cool new planet named Appalachia, and talking about. Oh, how it's this this paradise planet voted the the number i think it's like the number two most beautiful planet and there's a little dig of like hey why why not number why aren't we going to the number one and he's like no it's so boring and and pedestrian
1: like we're why would we go there um some nine vibes for sure (laughs) yeah
0: yeah hipster 11 hipster 11 um and then uh you uh um, they open the TARDIS to reveal sort of this sterile, white interior. I will say this, actually, I don't know how much of this actually is a budget saver episode, but it feels like a budget saver episode, and it feels like a very calculated, clever way to write a setting for a budget saver episode. Even though yeah. actually, like, like now that I think about it, actually, it's probably not actually because you have that that funky you have that funky guardian ex, uh, garden exterior, and you have uh the robots, and you have um like the old Amy prosthetics. So this one might not actually have been the cheap episode, but
2: I feel like Night Terror was probably a cheaper episode. Yeah.
0: yeah, or yeah, or like closing time because that's mostly reused assets.
1: Yeah, um, as we get into the, I'm, I'm sure we'll, like, start progressing more into the plot, but I, I want to note that this is an episode that's perfect for what I consider to be the writing principle of you can get away with, like, small, stupid logic errors if the result is you do something good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the prime example, the first example of, like, I think three in this episode is the fact that they don't tell Amy what button to push, like obviously yeah. that's that's something in real life you would say, but like because of what the episode does with that, it's something I'm willing to forgive, um. Because you know it, in in normal everyday life a a different button wouldn't be all that big a deal, <laughs> so like at the same time I get it, but it's it's just a it's just a neat thing to note for all those writers that you don't have to have like an Airtight, fucking solid, logic documentary esque plot to have something be emotionally resonant.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, what happens is the like they both, uh, like Amy goes back in for her phone, and uh, Rory goes and presses a. Uh, presses a button and the doctor follows him. And then when Amy comes back out, she presses the other button and we get this, this, the, the crux of the episode here, which is actually this kind of interesting little speculative thing that I like, even though it's, even though it's speculative fiction and they could use this to tell a completely different story that actually revolved more around um, the people of that race who were sick, they don't. They they use it to tell a very personal story instead. And you don't ever actually... You see sort of little shadows of the Apalapicheans, but nothing more than that. And I, I think that's actually... It's kind of neat, actually, because, you know, the, the traditional Doctor Who formula feels like to take that idea and to do something more focused on the race itself than on how it affects a companion who wasn't even supposed to be there.
1: Exactly. And further centering the companions as well with the uh, conceit yeah. of the virus. Um of course the doctor is involved in other ways but just centering having a companion centered episode and you could argue that like the companions exist for them to like center Doctor Who in like a grounded reality but this is like no really it's it's Amy and Rory's episode.
0: Yeah. And you know we like we we talk about how um we t- we talk about how like Aw oh, man, Chad. Rory. Rory is so cool. Rory in this episode is, I think, better than Rory's been the whole season. Like, we say that, but I think a lot of that is based around him and his arc in series five. And it kind of feels like, aside from a few cool moments in like a good man goes to war, he doesn't have as much to do.
1: Yeah, and here for sure. It
0: really, really feels like. Like, this is an Amy episode, but in a lot of ways, it's very much a Rory episode, and the way that Arthur Darville acts being put into this horrific situation is just magnificent. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's yeah, very convincing in this episode, too. And I think this is one of the episodes that has... Actually, I think of any of the episodes, this is the one that has most sold me on Amy and Rory's relationship, because, yeah. like... Yeah. A lot of the times, it just feels like a thing. And, you know, there's definitely good moments, but I think of any of the episodes, this is the one that has really, like, brought it together to me and be like, oh, no, they're, like, actually legit a thing. Like, it's not just the writers telling us that. It's, like, we're seeing that in motion. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's
0: also, it, it feels like... I like that they do this every now and then, where the doctor does his usual approach to an area and it ends up going really badly like the other example that I can think of is uh, a world enough in time where the doctor just sort of swanning into this place and doing his usual shtick literally gets Bill killed
1: yeah it's and again the, the world builder in me is just like okay there's A binary vascular another another species with a binary um pulmonary or i don't know science word two hearts um and they have this plague but they're advanced enough to have like in the thousands area of like multiple compressed time streams to the point where a time lord has trouble dealing with it that's That's a fucking lot, but at the same time, it's, like, it's nice to see something that the Doctor doesn't quite have Eh, a handle on. Yeah, whatever, it's good
0: speculative fiction, shut up.
1: No, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, because, as I said, again, it's used for, it's used for a good purpose, um, and especially as we see, like, later on when there's, when the emotional stakes are the highest they've been in the episode, uh, it really reveals something about the Doctor, but... Um. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, uh, and and like like my part. like
0: when we were when we were watching this, uh, initial when we were rewatching this earlier on in the year, uh, my mom was like, "Hey, what about those reapers?" I'm like, "Shut up, mom!" Doesn't matter. It's a good story. Shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I uh. What is very nice... This is probably the only episode... Maybe the other episode with the hotel. But... This is definitely the episode that gets the best marks for, like... Dealing with trauma. And my only complaint is that this doesn't carry through... To other episodes... In a substantive... Way. And I'm not gonna knock this episode for that. I'm in fact praising it. Because you know credit to arthur darville like you can see the like the unironic angst and the yeah. uh the the strife and and uh karen gillen even under you know i've acted under prosthetics obviously nothing as advanced as this yeah but that's hard so yeah you know it's just
0: and even then like yeah. the prosthetics that they're using are still television budget. Yeah, the show was high budget, but like it wasn't it wasn't the highest level shit, you know?
1: Yeah, it surprised. And again, it's it's a it's a thing of like if if Karen Gillan didn't sell that, I'd just be like, well, okay, it's, you know, 20 something. uh, Karen Gillan's body and just here's the old makeup, but the way she carries her voice um, the way and they also they do yeah. a pretty
0: good job of like dressing her in bulkier clothing so you don't notice the fact that her body is still identical
1: yeah or you know obviously a workout with the sword and yeah. you know you would you would keep in shape it's all you know it's all they they pull several clever tricks um yeah. She's in addition visually to the emotional stakes. yeah yeah
0: Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, um, uh, where was I going to go with this? Oh, yeah, I would actually say, in some ways, it feels like this and the God Complex are kind of like a two-episode mini-arc of just absolutely breaking amy and rory to the point where 11 eventually kicks and and in a sense breaking 11 too and his perception of his relationship with them eventually leading to next week where he will kick them out of the tardis and i think watching it through this time what i honestly think is like it should have stuck they shouldn't have come back for series seven after this arc because it feels like In many ways, it feels like a letting down and a walking back of the thematic content of these few episodes where it's like between this and between the God Complex, they sort of really get a one-two punch of like, hey, this isn't safe, this is dangerous, and you should get out of there while you still can. And then they, and then Eleven basically says as much and kicks them out. And then he just takes them back in Asylum of the Daleks for five episodes. <laughs> and then they get off really badly, even though it doesn't really make a bunch of sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It felt like a really needless, just like, oh well, they're back because reasons, whatever. Yeah, accept it. Um, and yeah, no. Watching this episode, I was like this is the kind of shit that people leave for. Like, this is the kind yeah. of shit that Martha left for. Um, there's just no reason why they yeah. should really stay at this point. Because, like, when you're looking at Amy's, like, Amy specifically, her arc of sort of this emotional dependency and ideal- idealization of the Doctor, um, and what you get in this episode is sort of a shift of that where she sort yeah. of realizes the Doctor is unreliable and Rory is reliable. And so it would be yeah. pretty logical that that's the point where she steps off, you know, between this and yeah. the next episode, yeah. which I think kind of has a similar thing for her. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really weird that they just continue to, you know, obviously on a production side of thing, it's obvious why they did because they were popular companions. Um, but and their contracts
0: a... weren't up yet, and Coleman yeah. <laughs> wasn't scheduled to appear yet, and yeah, yeah. It's, but from a, and it's, it's a story like standpoint, is, it's just like, and yeah. it ties directly into the next episode where Eleven literally has to break Amy's faith in him.
1: Yeah, it's, it, and again, it's it's sad with how well this episode deals with consequence in a way because that's what that's what. You know, what What you could argue you see with 30-year-old uh, 30, 30 Amy is someone whose confidence and faith in the Doctor has been brutally broken. Now, obviously, that level of trauma doesn't happen to Amy next episode, but I think, you know, as as much as Eleven has run from things from now, I think this is the point where... You know, if if we're writing this to be an actual character arc, because <laughs> it kind of doesn't go this way, but whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like he's recognized, yeah, that that this that this isn't going to work. And if he, it's it's a maturation for him in some instances that it's like he loves these companions, but he has to let them go if he doesn't want them to end up in forty years hating him, <laughs> like like uh this Amy does, like future Mm -hmm. Amy does. So it's, again, it's it's a good bit of, um, it's a good, like, two-off. But again, that's, it's sad that that's, you know, that that's, again, the problem with this formula is that eventually it's hard to pull anything really spectacular, narratively speaking, because at some point it's just going to, like, be dropped. (laughs) It's a problem Star Trek has had for literal decades and is only, yeah. like, just now starting to get over with, now that they've kind of changed their formula. So it's... Yeah. And again, and that isn't a knock on this episode at all. This episode is fucking brilliant. But it's it's yeah. sad to see that this doesn't exactly go where it would naturally conclude.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, like, I don't... Like, I can't... Like, I look at how visceral Arthur Darvill's acting is in the scene where he basically goes to the doctor if you're going to do things like this i don't want to be here any like i don't want to do this with you anymore this isn't safe um and i i look at that and i go like you can't just turn that around like this feels like it is heading to a logical end point and yeah like i i don't i don't necessarily think that this would be their last episode but it it definitely would be like a beginning of the end, and it especially and in retrospect, it feels weird when you get to an episode like the Power of Three, where it's like we're trapped between our normal life and our life with the Doctor, where we keep getting like whisked away on these things. And I feel like, at but this by this point, Rory would have just put his foot down and be like, "No, we're not, we're not doing this anymore." Especially after the God Complex, and it's I'd love to rearrange amy and rory's episodes into a sense so the angels take manhattan doesn't well the problem is is that angels take manhattan has to happen because otherwise 11 doesn't become a mopey emo bitch for the snowmen but whatever <laughs> um let's, let's 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 take a moment to just pretend that 11 meets clara through different means or whatever Um, and rearrange stuff. So, like, I would take, I'd maybe cut a couple of episodes that, like, for, mm, I actually, okay, cut.
1: (laughs) The funny thing is, is is I can't actually
0: cut, I can't actually cut any of the Series 7 episodes, because Asylum of the Daleks, despite the fact that it's kind of dog shit, introduces Clara or at least the the Clara's Echoes concepts. I can't cut dinosaurs on a spaceship because it introduces Amy and Rory's dad. Um, I don't want to cut Town Called Mercy because I think it could fit into, like, slot it slightly before this where you sort of have, like, a moment where, like, they realize, like, hey, the Doctor's not the most stable person. Um, uh, and, uh, in while you cut angels take Manhattan, like that's really the only thing you can cut, but like sort of, I don't know, rework, rework asylum of the Daleks. So it's less shit or work the Clara plot into a different episode. And then sort of take that, that little like domestic bit of like dinosaurs on the spaceship and power of three and work it a little bit more into, um, like, work it before this so like you have this and then the god complex and it actually it actually would make the god complex the part in the god complex where Levin basically goes like G- get out I don't want to endanger you any further it actually gives it a little bit more narrative weight because then it's like oh he's, he's doing this because he remembers in uh, like in power of three like right at the end of the episodes Brian's like yeah, okay, go ahead, take them, but make sure they come back safe. And it's a realization of, like, I 100% cannot even pretend to enforce that promise.
1: Yeah. And yes, it's
0: it's not the definitive ending that Karen Gillan wanted, but also the definitive ending that we got is dumb and makes no sense.
1: Yeah, I would... I get what you're saying. I I definitely think I... (laughs) Because here's, here's the problem. I think there should be more adventures with Amy and Rory after this. I just think you needed to do something more definitive than, like, oh, I'm going to leave you here until I don't. Like, something like them actually forgiving the Doctor, but saying they don't want to, like, travel with him, they don't want to live on the TARDIS anymore. It'll just be like, you can do it's, like, the balancing thing, kind of. And then an echo of Clara, or Clara herself can be, like, the companion he travels with when Amy and Rory are, like, doing normal people shit. But, like, I I get where you're going. I think it's... The Amy and Rory arc is so weird because there's moments like this where it's like, oh, this is clearly where this is going. And then there's other episodes. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to rearrange and to, like, rewrite like changing as little as possible to make it coherent that that's a fucking chore yeah
2: yeah, yeah the no. impression I'm getting is that this arc is kind of unfixable as it is yeah
0: well no I don't think it's I don't think it's unfixable it's more Uh. it's more like the, the series spread would be weird but I think it's doable if you like rewrote and reordered some of the episodes because basically I think with the problem you know what actually cut like cut like curse of the black spot and cut like closing time and like if I, I i don't know but like cut some of the the more fillery series 6 episodes and work some of the cuz the problem is is that aside from asylum of the daleks's like um, like little gambit for they like Amy and Rory, like split up for 45 minutes and then get back together for reasons that are kind of flimsy and should have maybe been spread out over a few more episodes. Like the rest of the series seven episodes narratively don't feel like they need to belong to series seven.
1: Yeah, I would, here's, here's what I'm thinking right now series 5 has a pretty clear arc right it's the Mm -hmm. it's the it's the series where the doctor is the fairy tale and everything works out in the end i would have series 6 be breaking the fairy tale because that's what Mm -hmm. seems like specifically with amy and rory and i don't know if i would postpone any river song bullshit until series 7 or save her for 12 (laughs) Because that's kind of, like, what I'd want to do, honestly. Because her and Peter Capaldi slap. But, yeah. I think... I I, I like your ideas, too. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. It's, this is a fucking weird series yeah. with, with amazing episodes. It's...
0: Yeah. It's just, like, I feel like we reach a sort of thematic end in this season and then they just kind of keep going for a few more episodes just so they can make a conclusive end, even though, spoilers for my thoughts on Angels Take Manhattan, the episode is really good until it dives off a cliff. Like, fucking, the the way that they try to rationalize why they are locked out for good is stupid.
1: And I will guarantee... (laughs) I will guarantee that the doctor will go to New York sometime in the next decade. Yeah. And then that'll just, you know, fuck it. Canon isn't a real thing, whatever, but still like, if you know, I'm not going into another rant about doctor who and formulas, but yeah, Yeah. it's just, it seems to me that the way you could salvage this is like, okay, series five is, the fairy tale series six is breaking it and series seven is kind of having that happy medium Uh i don't know exactly how you would do that but to me it's like for for amy and rory more so amy to be honest to come to a point in her life to be fulfilled enough where she doesn't need to have any like further connection or obsession with the tardis life yeah. and you know and also have that with Rory cuz he kind of got into it too even though we never really explained why like <laughs> to have that conclude and maybe they don't even like like the doctor by the end but just like something that's like they're in the present day but he can't ever see them again you would yeah. have to do some work to make that different from Donna but I would feel that would also like lead to enough angst for the Clara heavy stuff to take off and you know whatever the fuck happens after that but yeah it's as as the Quixotics have pointed out it's it's quite a mess regardless yeah
0: yeah anyways let's 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 uh enough of our fan fiction it, yeah, yeah yeah let's let's step away <laughs> from complaining about other episodes uh to praising this episode as I said, the the scenery of this episode is absolutely gorgeous.
2: Like, yeah, it really, it's, like, it's like,
0: yeah. yeah,
2: scarily sterile, and at the same yeah. time, like there there's the sort of sterility to it, um, like the first parts, and then that's complemented by this sort of like industrial aesthetic in some parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's almost, like, thematic. Um, the yeah. way there's, like, these these front rooms that are very clean and, like, hauntingly sterile. And then these, like, under rooms that are very dirty and gritty. And it's, like, the dark truth within. Well, it, when it, yeah. It's actually not that. It's, like, just you're the wrong person to be in here. But, you know, themes. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. And, like... Um I think one of the things that I also, uh, really like is how, um, oh, yeah, so you have the, it, it sets up this sort of moral quandary, but it doesn't actually, like, I don't, not only does it not feel like It ever actually like tries to 100% state what the right option would have been it also even though the outcome that happens feels like it arrives logically and makes sense and is makes sense for what the doctor would choose it's also something where you don't agree with him and you kind of feel this deep shock and disgust for his actions even though he kind of did what he had to do
1: it feels I mean Jeff you would know way more about this than me but it felt kind of 70 in the manipulation as like as soon as he was just like you know oh can this work and the doctor makes a joke and then he's just like okay you know fuck it whatever I have to say to save one of them you know i will do it it's very again that yeah. chess master almost like you see the man who made the call to like genocide two races to save the universe it's that hard pragmatism
0: yeah and actually you know what you know what would actually be a really interesting rewrite to like to get back to get back into fan fiction territory because i like i like when that comes out and i feel like it is a rare flash of this interesting darkness under 11 that i don't ever really feel like you see enough of and what i think would be really interesting is if to have that being the fairy tale and breaking the fairy tale is if series 6's stories worked a little bit more into that darker side actually coming out and you know because again like i had my complaints about a good man goes to war this is what i think they were trying to go for in a good man goes to war and i think it feels so much more impactful than it does in a good man goes to war for sure yeah this
2: is like if you like, I basically feel like they accidentally took the emotional core out of the plot events of of yeah, yeah. Um, a good man goes to war and then put it in the wrong episode. <laughs> yeah,
0: like it doesn't like nothing. Despite whatever the episode says of like, oh, he's a good man and he's going to fight and he's going to do this bad thing, none of it has. Anywhere near the sheer impact of him looking the old Amy in the eye and slamming the door on her.
1: Yeah, I would have I'm nitpick, I would have cut him saying I'm sorry, but he probably does mean it just in like No,
0: I I I think that's in character. I, I, I think it's I think it's in character, and I think his doctor would say that. And that's 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 what I think sets him apart from someone like seven or ten is that he would say I'm sorry, and and mean it.
2: Yeah, and I think what's really central to this, like, what really sells me on that action, is that Rory asks like, "Did you know from the start?" and and he just avoids the question. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I feel like they could have really lessened the impact if he'd been like oh yeah you know i didn't know and i realized at the last moment um and it would have been a really like unbelievable cop-out to try to make us like be a bit more sympathetic to the doctor but i think it's the fact that they really commit to that like no he was lying and he knew it from the start and this was all manipulation and he set this up um is what really fucking sells this episode and i'm really glad that they didn't like back down on that or try to cop out to make him more um personable I think it was absolutely the right choice to have that exchange and it just really seals the moment um, overall yeah and you Mm -hmm. just feel that And, and and to some extent I really feel like this is we haven't talked about it in a bit but I feel like this is almost the doctor like remembering Time War stuff for a moment like having to make another choice like that not on the same scale but like being put into another position where he has to make like a choice um and he he does it just coldly and calculatedly, even under that like veneer of of elevenness um and in that moment, it's kind of him like remembering like, oh yeah, that was a thing, you know, maybe I'm not completely over it that's the that's the way I think I could be read. There aren't any like overt allusions yeah. to the time war in this mm-hmm. episode, but I think I think in the context of his character, that would make sense to be something that flashes through his head in that moment
1: and here's and I guess this is where the moral complexity comes in, the moral complexity comes into uh, this, is that you know, Eleven could have just, you know, slammed the door, he obviously has a bias for this Amy because she's more innocent and like, the younger one, and you know, you could probably add a bunch of other reasons to that, but then he says like, you know what, no it's your choice, and as cruel as that might be be In another way, it's also very, like... It should be... First of all, it, it ideally should be Amy's choice. Pun intended. But, like, that can't happen. So, like, Rory is the next best shot. And the fact that he gives him that... Despite... His pragmatic leanings... And his biases... I think that, like, also shows... How he does genuinely care. And there's a genuine, like, respect and friendship. But... Because of his life and because of, like, the fucked situation they're in, it's just, it's gonna end ugly no matter what. Yet he still yeah. gives Rory the dignity and the respect to, like, say goodbye to his wife, you know, talk it out, and, you know, come to a decision. hmm
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, so it it, it provides this much more... Like it it feels like I'm not gonna say it feels like RTD, but it feels tonally like a far more interesting show than what we got without really changing too much about the core characters or aesthetics of the this era of the show. and like this this along with stuff like Doctor's Wife and God Complex and, like, maybe some of the stuff in Series 5 really make me wish we got a different 11th Doctor than what we got, because I feel like we kind of had this setup of Series 5 and then it kind of stagnated and he didn't take it anywhere. Like, you know, there is a 100% notice it's not as like big as Capaldi but there is a noticeable shift in the 10th Doctor through his three and a half seasons and while he gets a little bit upset about uh like Amy and Rory's departure like it doesn't feel like Eleven consistently develops character through his seasons
1: Before 13, I would have said this is like a carbon... Like like a cardboard cutout of what the Doctor... <laughs> like, you just have... You have, like, first draft, and you're just like, This is generic Doctor. This is the doctor things. Now, I'm writing this for 10, so I'm going to add in these things, because this is more him, and it contributes to his arc. And 11 isn't as bad as 13... Um, And
0: the thing, well, Eleven still has his own distinct character. The problem is, is that it flattens out when they don't go anywhere with it. And a lot of his core character quirks, I think, get annoying and overused and overshadow the parts of his character that I like. Whereas Thirteen is literally just a flat character with a completely fucking borked moral center.
1: We got to Chibnallera. Take a drink. Um, yeah. But,
2: <laughs> I was um, gonna say something about Chibnallera earlier, and I fucking forgot what it was. I was gonna get it out <laughs> early, and then I forgot. Oops. <laughs> nice.
1: Hey, you know, if if you remember, br- bring it up again. I I want to get buzzed. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Th- this fucking episode. Um, I had another. Oh just again i i think we already touched on it but just there's so many good there's so many good like small amy and rory character moments that uh you know we we could go over each of them individually if we wanted to i don't we're not going to (laughs) but um just them laughing together him saying you know i don't care that you grow old um i care that we didn't grow old together like that's that's a line I still hear by on, like, Doctor Who fandom Twitter and stuff like that. That's just mm-hmm. so many iconic moments in an episode that you could argue, like, doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And whether that's a good or a bad thing is, you know, up to the individual. Um, but just so much good writing and uh, and consequence and fulfillment of a premise um yeah (laughs) i just can't be it's we've been talking about the doctor a lot but really this is their episode and i think yeah i know a lot of people who dropped off doctor who either in the capaldi era or like around series six or series seven because they felt that it, instead of Doctor Who, it was becoming the Amy and Rory show, and while I understand where that complaint comes from, because the stuff with River Song, for the large part, fucking blows, stuff yeah. like this makes me say, like, that isn't a problem, it's just how they executed it. Yeah, yeah, um, In the grand scheme of things. Like, this is an example yeah. of them, na- like, hitting it out of the park with flying colors.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um... So yeah, it's also, I really, I have to give props to Karen Gillan because I can't imagine what it is like to be like, okay, you are going to be acting with yourself in this scene, and one of the ones that you are playing is not only in prosthetic, you are playing this completely different, older, embittered version of the character and acting against yourself and just absolutely flawlessly knocking it out of the park
1: the scene that comes to my mind again they do like wonderful tricks here because this this isn't this show doesn't have a big enough budget where they can do like the oh we'll just have both karen gillens in every shot but when they're talking to each other through the mirror and and Younger Amy is telling the story and older Amy is reacting to it and you can tell that there's differences in the character. They're the yeah. same but obviously different and the different line delivery of Rory is the most beautiful man I've ever met or something like that. Yeah. Um just that alone like not to be one of those give her the Emmy people but like yeah. <laughs> just you know special props to that episode um the like truly you know TV isn't just some lesser thing, you know? Yeah. Truly awesome stuff can happen there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I guess... um, Let me look through my transcript here. All right. Yeah, I think unless... Anybody else has anything that they'd like to talk about that we can move on to ratings?
1: I would ask one question. Okay. Let's say that budget isn't an issue, because I know this is why they didn't do it. Um, Or it's one of several reasons why they didn't do it. But I was thinking like, how it would change things if older amy was the one to come along like that would be a huge status quo shift in the dynamic of this era and i was just thinking about that because there's a moment where like younger amy gets knocked out by the by the hand thing Mm -hmm. and you could almost say there's like a sort of like almost done purposefully to fake out like oh is she going to die and the older one is the one that comes with them so I don't know. Except I'm just...
0: well, that wouldn't work because if she died,
1: then the older one would cease to exist. But they're already creating the paradox because she already.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's true. This is Doctor Who. Fucking bullshit happens all the time. Yeah. Well, so what I'm... I would say. What yeah. I would say is is that I I'm honestly I don't know because I think it I think doing that like it's not just a budgetary thing. Doing something like that would go against the episodic nature of doctor who if you were going to do something that was a little bit more serialized or if it was in a medium like big finish where you didn't necessarily need the visual component because i i don't even think if doctor who had all the money in the world that the tv series would go for it if it was a big finish thing you know what maybe i could see them pulling something like that and I, I think it would be an interesting idea. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think... Yeah.
1: it would just, I don't think would...
0: old Amy was ever going to go past this episode. Because, like, oh, they can't not. both survive the episode. Otherwise, the thematic content of the episode is borked. And I don't think they would take new... a Like, uh, I don't think they would take old Amy over their Amy. Ever.
1: Yeah, it's just... Definitely. I mean, we were, we were doing our own fa- fan fiction a while ago about how like, oh, like this is breaking the fairy tale. And with, with her, the fairy tale is broken. It is fucking yeah. shattered. A nuclear bomb went off and there's ashes. There's no fairy tale, but just like, I don't know. It would be an interesting direction to take. And maybe this is just my very queer ass thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be neat if there was like a polyamory dynamic? But obviously, in the television format, that's expensive. B, people look down upon that because much traditional partner norms. And number yeah. three, the makeup. So, like, I completely yeah. understand why that would never happen in a thousand years when this show is being, like, written and constructed. It's just, I don't know. I like doing thought experiments like that of just, like, okay, where could you take a story like that Um I yeah, I I don't think an older Amy, an older Amy definitely wouldn't have been feasible while they were writing this. And it wasn't the story they wanted to tell. And that's fine. It's just, you know, in an in a show where consequence ke- keeps being sideswept, it's a little bit frustrating to see it happen every time even if like this episode it is completely justified why they go back to like quote-unquote, the way things were because, in theory, emotionally, things are not as they were.
0: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So, I guess moving moving on down to ratings. Yeah, every now and then, you get those episodes that make you remember why you started a fucking podcast covering every single episode of the revival of this show and i i think this is one of them like despite the rest of the content of the season we have a return back to some of the more interesting writing and a really interesting moral quandary that i don't think at least the televised show has ever really done before or again obviously who knows what the fuck big finish has done um and it does it in a way that genuinely adds this emotionality and a whole new dimension to uh these characters and while i wish that the series around it was more ordered in a way that their arc made more sense with this being near a logical endpoint for it i think everything on this episode is just firing on all cylinders and it is just an absolutely fantastic episode that is up there with doctor's wife as the like probably uh the second best episode in this season it is an absolute a plus it is one of the two i think Maybe three, if you count God Complex, standout episodes of this season of Doctor
1: Who. Yeah, um, I love this episode. Um, I know we spent the majority of our time talking about how the rest of the series or Eleven's tenure doesn't really match up to it. But I, I would say, in our defense, that at this point in the podcast, it's very, I guess, routine to yeah. go through every single scene and say this is why this is brilliant this is why this is brilliant it's beyond words i could talk about this episode probably for another hour if i wanted to yeah. but it would just be the same like this dynamic is amazing uh arthur darville does this great thing here um the makeup is great karen gillan yeah. is great the doctor is great like there's just so much that eventually saying it even though it's even though it's not repetitive and it's not a lie it still feels like you're diminishing it. Um, It's that good. And in fact, I would place this above... um, I would place this above The Doctor's Wife and potentially above every other episode of Doctor Who of the revival. And yes, I do mean that seriously in the sense that this is the only time I've, like, teared up i'm pretty sure i didn't tear up in the like human nature two-parter back in series three i may have i may just be forgetting but like the ending of this episode actually absolutely fucking broke me like i Mm -hmm. i like tears were on my fucking face um so that was you know it's incredible when a piece of media can do that um it's a wonderful you know spec piece of speculative fiction the the premise and the world is interesting, but it doesn't get bogged down in world building. The character work is absolutely immaculate, um, arguably the best in the series. We'll we'll see when we get to next week's episode. Um, but yeah, this is this is a virtually perfect episode of Doctor Who. Um, a plus plus um, slash S. My Favorite of the series so far, definitely.
2: This episode yeah. is poggers.
1: <laughs> so, true. so true.
2: I just wanted to have a really long awkward silence after that. Um, <laughs> yeah, this episode. Yeah, it's really good. I I don't know if I would call it like my absolute favorite of this series, um, but just it is definitely. I mean, easily the best episode in this season, possibly up there, probably besides, like, the Vincent episode, the only really just top-tier episode of of Doctor Who in general in Eleven's run. Um, I'd say this and Vincent and the Doctor, like, just Eleven's two best episodes. Um, Well, I haven't seen God Complex in a while, so that might be up there, too. Um, But yeah, just absolutely fantastic. Easy 10 out of 10. Just really strong emotional core it doesn't miss a beat like the entire episode is there and purposeful it doesn't waste a moment the characters are just solid throughout i can't really think of a single like flaw with this episode it's just absolutely brilliantly put together and well written and acted and everything (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah absolutely um so Next week, we will be looking at series uh, the ep- series six episode eleven, the God Complex, by my boy, my dude, Toby Whithouse. Um, and I would also like to announce that coming to a Patreon, uh, coming to our Patreon sometime in the future, we are going to be taking a look at the first episode. Of the new Ninth Doctor Adventures Ravagers box set. Um, And we will be recording that pretty soon, I think. Um, So uh, get hyped and look forward to that. I know I'm looking forward to seeing how Christopher Eccleston steps back into the role after 15 years. Um, Yeah. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at B2TardisPod. You can support us on Patreon for a number of benefits, such as early access to episodes, the ability to listen in live to episodes being recorded, and potentially even the ability to guest star on an episode of your choosing. I'm Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at weeklydl.
1: I ship Amy, Amy, Rory, and no one can fucking stop me. You can follow me on Twitter at SkyHigh9 underscore 5.
2: I, I I I I'm a guy. I'm Virgil. You can follow me at nomadiclastic. Yeah, man.
0: <laughs> and we will see you all next week.
2: Smooth landing. <laughs>